Hey, this is Fox Valley Voice with Bree Hayes. And Jaime Gutierrez. Hello. Well, hi there. Hi. Happy Monday. This is the happiest part of my Monday. Ah, I'm so Over. glad. For sure. Um, how have you been? I, I've been good. Um, definitely having a Monday. I'm just, uh, Oh, really? I'm a little bit tired. I think it was, um, just like a gray, gray day, gray day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After such a, uh, a gorgeous weekend, I mean, we had, uh, Saturday and Sunday were both uh, high 60s, low 70s, lots of sun, lots of fresh air outside. So yeah, I could see where today might be a little bit of a, you know, a letdown, perhaps. Yeah, maybe I just um, did too much over the weekend, but. Yeah, I think there there's some of that for me, especially. But uh, yeah, this is the time of year where it's like, Anytime you get a beautiful day like that, you just feel like you got to make up for lost time. Yeah. And then, I mean, and it's still, it, it still feels like it's all going to be taken away from us. I feel like that's always my spree energy is that, you know, you go hard and then there's like this, it's overcast and it's 50 and you're like shaking your fist at the, at the sky. That that's my, <laughs> that's been me today. And it's, it's illogical and I know it's illogical, but that's been, uh, that's been my MO. Right. Right. Whereas, uh, you know, a month ago, if we had a day that was over 40, we would have just taken it and ran with it. Right. Yeah. I would have cried. Now cried we're, now we're getting picky. I'm get I am getting picky. That's, that's the perfect way to put it, but, <laughs> but yeah, gorgeous weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess we, are we jumping into, you know, what, what, how we've been enjoying the Fox Valley and surrounding areas uh, for the past yeah. week or so. Yeah. I actually got to take a, uh, a little car ride into the city on Saturday. Oh, cool. wow. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I, I was the assistant art mover, um, got to help move a large piece of artwork, uh, to a, uh, uh for staging purposes, and um, to try to sell a property in the, uh, I want to say it's the Uptown neighborhood, very close to where the Green Mill and uh, the Riviera yeah. is, uh, are, are located. Yeah, so uh, got to hang some artwork and then uh, found a cute little uh, local bar that had some outside seating and had a drink in the city, which is something that I have not done. And I cannot tell you how long, Yeah, but, uh, it was very pleasant. Awesome. Yeah. It was weird though. Yeah. Being out in the world. Yeah. So this whole re reintroduction into uh, society is, is going to be weird, but yes. um, you know, baby steps, baby steps. And you took one, you took one. <laughs> um, I did not do anything that exciting. I haven't been in the city in over a year and that is just wild to me, but I think it's happening soon. I think it will happen over the summer. Mm -hmm. I, I will be fully vaccinated on 
April 16th. And so I cannot wait. And I feel like that will be a time that I'll, that I'll start moving and grooving a little bit more. But um, I got to have one of my favorite meals from the Fox Valley area on Friday night. And that was a uh, North Burger from Side Sidecar Supper Club. Mm-hmm. And um, now, could you re-familiarize me with uh, which one is the North Burger? What's on that one? Um, it has the um, the pickles. Mm, it it's got pickles. It's got pickles and pickled things. Okay. I feel like that's what's special about it. And I get it with the gorgonzola cheese. Mm. Um, I don't know what else is special about it, honestly, which is super funny. <laughs> I'm I'm doing Chef Rick a disservice right now. This will go into the fact check. Fact check right away. Okay. Um, What's special about it is that you love it. I love it so much. It's it's really the only burger I eat anymore. Mm. Um, and but like we hadn't had it in quite a while, and so um, James swung by and, and picks him up for our Friday evening dinner. Um, and the other place I've been, um, and actually VIP, I I was walking with the owner of Sidecar Supper Club um, out at Aurora West, uh, which is a off-leash dog trail okay and place that you can go to um to fly your model um not model well, i mean i guess actually it is like model airplanes but people take drones out there and stuff so there's a big field that you can do that okay and then also these like you know winding paths so wow. i got to do some nature with my doggo and um the famous levi who is uh Melissa's dog and Voodoo, who show up on their Instagram quite a bit. Yeah. And our Mazzy's bros. Nice. Yeah. Um, is that like a park district thing? Um, it's a forest preserve. Okay. It's part of the forest preserve. King County Forest Preserve. Shout out. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's um it's one of the only places that uh that has trails that you can be off leash with. So I mean people do it everywhere, but it's it's not always cool to do that. It's it's best to to do that where um where it's supposed to happen. So yeah. Fermi Labs closed. That was my favorite off leash dog area, but we haven't been there in over a year because we're in a pandemic. Uh, speaking of, and you mentioned that you are about to be fully vaccinated and yours truly was able to get an appointment last week for shot number one. Uh, so yeah, I got to go to the old Sam's club, the cane vax hub. Ooh. Yes. And let me tell you, uh, I'm not sure what everyone else's experience has been thus far at that facility, but, uh, it was almost enjoyable. That's almost it. enjoyable. Yes. I mean, it was smooth, smooth. Like I was in and out. I, I went from 
making the appointment on the computer to going, standing in line, getting a shot, waiting the official 15 minutes afterwards, and then driving back home from front, start to finish all in one hour. That's amazing. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so highly recommend if you have not yet, uh, gotten that shot and we've mentioned it previously, but I will say it again, go to canevax.org. Now the trick is if there aren't any green boxes that represent an available appointment, you have to keep trying. You have to keep hitting the reload button because that's what I did. I started in the morning and then finally I got through at about 1.30 in the afternoon. But as soon as I got through at 1.30, I signed up and they said, all right, we'll see you at two. So you got a day of appointment. Day of, yes. That's wild. It I didn't know wild. that was possible. I went from being frustrated a little bit uh, to, oh my gosh, I got to hop in the car right now. I feel like that's that's real goose energy right there. Oh. I know we're not in the real goose section, but that okay. is real goose energy. You're hearing it here. Okay. The, that is the real goose. I'm telling you. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Because uh, maybe what we should have mentioned at the top was that we have a guest. Yes. We, we talked, have a very exciting guest. We talked to somebody. This is our first interview. Uh, we're talking to Joe Urban Trout of Queering the Burbs Substack, resident of Batavia, Illinois. And world famous DJ, but we'll, we'll get into that later. We will. We will. And your friend. Yes. Very, very, very good men. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Should we, should we get into it and then we'll come back afterwards and, and do some real goose? Sounds good. Sounds great to me. All right. Let's talk to Joe. We're welcoming Joe, Joe, Joseph. Joe is great. Joe is great. <laughs> Joe Urban Trout, uh, who lives here in Batavia and runs the Substack Queering the Burbs. I have known Joe, I believe, for 12 years. That sounds right. And you are number two of the person here who's known me the longest. Personally, I realized because I met you through your partner, Stefan, who I went to college with and has been a dear friend and collaborator since since those college days. Um, so y'all moved out to Batavia five years ago, I believe. You're coming up on the five-year anniversary. Yeah, five and years. I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the post that y'all had on, on the social in front of your adorable house said, hashtag queering the burbs. Yeah, that, that is true. Um, you did your research. Um, that's where it came from. Um, that was all memory, baby. That was all memory. I'm impressed. I can't remember a, a dang thing these days. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, and so it was once a hashtag, uh, it is now a weekly, um, publication and, uh, but you've, you've done a lot of other things. You do a lot of other things and I'd love to hear you, um, 
before we get into more about Queering the Burbs, just tell us about you, where you came from, what you do, what you love. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a journalist by trade, um, and I've been at that forever, it feels like. Um, I'm one of those people that always knew what they wanted to do, um, which is a blessing and a curse, because, you know, I was kind of uh, irritating people with... um, my worldview from a very young age. Um, <laughs> I published a, the first ever newspaper in my middle school where I was uh, reading like school assemblies and birthday parties. And there was a gossip column, there was an advice column. Um, yeah, it, it may have been a subject of conversation with administration. Um, parents may have gotten pulled in, but yeah, I've been at it for a long time. Um, I was a reporter with Huffington Post for a long time um, on the food and agriculture beat, which is what I was doing when I moved out here. And then corporate overlords, uh, corporate layoffs, that was no longer a thing. Um, Worked in social media for a while. And now I work again in journalism for a tech company based out of Chicago. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of an overview of of my career. and. yeah, Querying the Burbs as a Substack really just came out. Um, I launched it in July because I was just wanting to write more and I had more free time, as a lot of people I think may have found. Um, I mean, I don't have kids, so I had free time. I know other people are not in that position, but yeah, I was wanting to get in more of a writing practice and just working on honing my voice and writing about things that were interesting to me, but not only that, but also a little bit on my experience of living out here as a queer person and finally feeling like I had a little bit of enough of an experience where I could maybe talk about that with a bit more of an authority. Because, you know, when you come out here, you're used to living in a city like Chicago, where I lived for eight years prior to coming out here. It's an adjustment. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, it probably, it took me really the last four to five years to make that adjustment where I can finally say, okay, now I, I sort of have a sense maybe of how things work out here a bit more. So yeah, it all kind of sprang out of that, sprang out to write more about my experience and also to highlight the experiences of other people under the queer umbrella, some elements of LGBTQ plus, and just highlight some of those voices that you know, aren't necessarily super visible, aren't really in positions of power out here. Just kind of let people know, no, we're here. Yeah, (laughs) There's a lot of us actually here. And um, yeah, just uh, don't forget about us when you're uh, uh, going about things. So was that a good introduction? That's a great introduction. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Uh there's only one one flaw in this introduction, and uh, I think we need to also bring up the fact that you are a wor- world famous club DJ. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to DJ a bit as well. Still do occasionally. I, I uh, showed up in limited engagements at the boardwalk shops this summer. That was interesting, um, but you know it was fun. I don't know if it was necessarily like. The experience that audience was thinking they were getting into but you know I, i'm minute, more wait. used to like 
What does that mean? Wait, back back it up because <laughs> unfortunately I was unable to attend that event at the boardwalk shops. Um, what do you think they were looking for and what in fact happened? I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the, when I was DJing in the city, you know, it was a lot of uh, Logan Square dive bars, dimly lit, heavily intoxicated people. One of my favorite places to DJ was called the Burlington. And it's actually um, one of the first dates I ever had with my partner, Stefan, that Brie was also at, you know, very, I feel very spiritually connected to this place. But anyway, um, there's a back room where they also host concerts. And so it'd be, there'd be a lot of like punk and metal and like really aggressive bands that would play in the back room. And then the front room where they have the DJs play would be little old me with my Dolly Parton to Sade transitions and remixes and uh, into Lindsay Lohan and Kanye and whatever else was happening that day. And like, I don't know, just a great place. And, you know, that wasn't really the energy of the boardwalk shops. People were not drunk, to my knowledge, not visibly drunk. No one was like making out. But, you know, that's not to say that a little flavor of that could come in the future. I don't know. Let's not rule it out. Let's not. I mean, it's a different lineup this year at the boardwalk shops. I think it's going to bring a different energy. Um, and we're not, we'll be able to maybe be out and about a little bit more. I can see, I can see a return of the boardwalk being a little bit, maybe not. I mean, I cannot bring the energy <laughs> of drunk dancing, making out Brie that I, that I know happened that specific night and many other nights with Burlington. I'm I'm just not I'm a different person, but your music does your your DJing does bring something out of me that I'd love to see the 38 year old like interpretation of that and like what I can't wait I can't wait for you to DJ at the boardwalk shops again. <laughs> I'm, I I'm available. I'm available. <laughs> oh man, that's um, great. So you started a Substack. You DJed the boardwalk shops. What else? What the heck have you been up to? Um, how's this this pandemic time been for you? What's going on? Yeah, I should have clarified. You know, I get that people weren't making out. It is a pandemic. <laughs> you know, like you can't make out through a mask. That that changes things. But. Um, yeah, so ordinarily I was commuting into the city, which is for me basically door to door twice is four hours out of my day. So replacing that time has been working on my writing and also um, working with the Batavia Community Diversity Initiative, which is a group that launched last June out of the George Floyd Peace Rally. Um, Black Lives Matter peace rally that was held downtown. I'm looking to kind of continue the conversation and a little bit of the momentum from that. Um, and um, obviously, I feel very lucky to be employed in this pandemic and to be able to work from home has been really great. And to have this free time as someone who's not trying to homeschool my kids and do all kinds of other things to survive. I felt very lucky in having that free time. So I was like, well, how can I 
do something productive with this time that will hopefully help the community where I live. And yeah, there's a lot of behind the scenes work happening with that right now, but so I can't really get into it, but stay tuned. How many there secrets? Will, there will be exciting uh, things to come. And, um, you know, it was just really wild that I had wanted for a long time uh, since I moved out here to get more involved with some element of community service or community outreach, activism, whatever you want to call it, but hadn't really found the right fit. Like nothing really felt like it was a fit for my skill set and worldview. So it was just a Facebook message that I had seen from one of the eventual fellow group members who was just concerned about a lot of the same things I was concerned about. And, uh, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of Zoom meetings with strangers later, you know, we've, uh, we've been able to land some grant money and get a website up and you know, launch a lot of initiative initiatives that'll be coming out. And it's really exciting. And it's something I don't know if it would have happened were it not for the pandemic and, um, you know, for myself having a bit more free time and maybe everyone was a little more willing to hop on a Zoom with people they've never met and be very vulnerable um, and share a lot of their time and energy with each other. So that's been a really powerful and positive thing that's come out of this time for me and yeah I feel really lucky that that is something that's come into my life and um, yeah all things considered you know I feel super burnt out in the world like there's a story in the New York Times um, that just came out called we have hit a wall and it's all about uh, sort of late stage pandemic burnout and how we've just been like and a year plus into this thing, it's just like, there's really no word for the feeling. We're just all <laughs> staring at the wall at this point. And um, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but that's still a reality. So dealing with that, but also feeling, you know, super lucky to have these experiences. Uh, Joe, let me ask you a little bit about something that I saw in one of your early posts on, on your Substack on uh, Queering the Burbs. You used some 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 pretty strong uh, vocabulary uh, to describe what you were feeling. You had said that moving out from the city to the suburbs to Batavia over the past four years, now almost five years, you felt like you were getting too comfortable and that you were becoming complacent in terms of your your mission, so to speak. Can you talk a little bit about what you meant when you said that? I was really worried where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> I was like worried what quotes would be uh, what. We'll we'll leave all the the Britney Spears stuff uh, aside for now. <laughs> uh, but I might ask a question about that. <laughs> there, yeah, there's more work to be done um, in that realm for sure, but. Um, yeah, so I guess what I was starting to feel was, um, you know, I think it's really easy when you're living out here, even if you are someone from a marginalized population, I think it's super easy to just kind of like, you know, kind of just close your door and close your windows to the world and just like kind of uh, get cozy. Like you can just kind of put your feet up, at least that, 
you know, I know it's not true of everyone in, in Batavia, but I think for a lot of people that are currently employed that have a certain level of comfort, it's, you can just sort of shut out what's happening in the outside world and say, hey, these things are happening in downtown Chicago or they're happening in downtown Aurora. I don't need to, you know, I'm not going to hop in a car and go to Chicago to go to the, the protests from this past summer. Because, um, you know, I, I don't have to worry about that here, so to speak. And, you know, I, I think it's really easy just to kind of get in your day-to-day rhythm. And because certain things aren't as visible out here, you just don't have to acknowledge it or you don't have to participate in it. So that's what I was kind of feeling. You know, there were multiple times, even during the, the Black Lives Matter movement of this summer, just seeing all of these huge demonstrations that a lot of my friends in the city were at in the loop. And, you know, Mayor Lightfoot was bringing up the drawbridge, so to speak, and trapping people. And a lot of folks were getting arrested and getting, um, you know, getting beaten on the streets, getting physically injured because they were putting their bodies on the line. And I was just saying, you know, there's, there's really no way to even do that in Batavia. You know, we had our peace rally, but it was all very, you know, there was a lot of nervousness and anxiety in the town over, over this one thing. And it felt like everyone was kind of holding their breath. Mm -hmm. Um, I admit even myself, I felt myself being very nervous being like, Oh, there's, there hasn't been anything like this in town. Like what's going to happen? Like is some crazy person going to run up and, start a lot of trouble with us and um it was good to see that that didn't happen but um i don't know i think it it still was uh it, it still was an odd feeling that um everyone was just kind of holding their breath i, I don't know how to quite describe it yeah. but it's like this thing that's a common day protest in chicago is a common day thing it's like you know in the loop you would always see all kinds of demonstrations happening, even outside of the Black Lives Matter context. You see people from all corners of the world adver- uh, not advertising, protesting for different reasons and different causes. And um, I think there's something really beautiful in that. I think it's great to live somewhere where a public demonstration is a common thing and people are are taking to the streets. And it's just something you don't see out here at all. It's just like, you can very easily opt out and say, well, these things are happening, but I don't, either I don't have to, or I don't have a way to kind of participate in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, something that I uh, was reflecting a lot over over the summer in both some conversations that I had with neighbors and seeing posts in the What's Happening Batavia group and uh, just on people's Facebook feeds is the um, misinformation about protests and what was happening specifically in Chicago and even what was happening in Aurora at times. And so that was something that I thought was really interesting and hard and activating for me because I was also thinking about myself as a young person who was in in the streets protesting in Chicago and the way that I saw people be treated and how I was treated and knowing that there's misinformation that breeds panic in the suburbs rather than this understanding that I think 
living in the city and having the opportunity to just be with a bunch of people who have, you know, that same kind of feeling about something uh, that it is that it is like our our right and privilege to to protest and to to gather, and to see it like flipped was really was like a really weird experience. Yeah, and I, I got the sense that a lot of and I don't want to make assumptions, but it, it kind of felt like a lot of the people were talking about these demonstrations in a way where they were only basically on what they were seeing on their chosen sources of news versus seeing something with their own eyes. Or maybe maybe they saw a protest in like the 70s and they're like, well, this is what protest is. But like, it's not, uh, they didn't seem open to new information or other perspectives, um, which is, you know, a, a recurring issue across, I think, many types of discussions. But yeah, just it felt like it was sharing misinformation and it was also just like based in total, I don't know, it was definitely based in misinformation and it didn't seem to be based in reality either. Yeah. Um, but, and and what you said about the, the springing of BCDI uh, out of someone else who had gone, gone and wanted to, um, to continue the conversation. I, I've thought about no, we're not Chicago, but you know, what if what if something were to happen here? And I mean, I think also like things have happened here. And I mean, but it's become like often like an individual's experience. And like that's a hard experience for that person, but like we don't notice those patterns because we're not um we're not tracking them. We're not talking about them. And so, uh, and full disclosure, I am also a member of BCDI. So I've, <laughs> I've been meeting with this group uh, since, uh, since the summer as well. But um, one of the things that I know that we've both reflected on is how wild is it to be creating community in, in a time that we can't gather and that, or that we're not gathering? And just, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that. And I mean, you, you shared a little bit already, but like, if you can go a little bit deeper into what good comes out of that, what, you know, I don't, I want to be careful to not say like, there are good things coming out of the pandemic. That's not what I'm talking about, but what is it that, um, that we've adapted to find new ways to make community? Well, I think, um, well, let, let me let me think for a moment on that. Um, yeah, that's a big question. Um, I mean, I think that the pandemic brought in a lot of ways a disconnect for people from their community and the ways that they would typically build community. You know, a lot of folks, um, you know, I'm not a religious person, but for a lot of people, like not being able to go to church uh, for in-person services was huge. Um, and just like not seeing your friends in person, not being able to go to your your bar on the corner and, and see your regulars. Um, you know, so many public spaces closed where people go to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And, um, you know, then when you're within the confines of your four walls of your home, that can be for a lot of folks, very uh, devastating. and. 
So I think that this kind of sprang up organically as an alternative to finding community um, and you know, using virtual tools like Zoom, which we're currently on, and um, trying to trying to make those connections and uh, trying to replicate that same feeling. I think it is pretty powerful. Um, it's harder to try and connect with folks, even when you have, you know, as we do with a group, we have on the surface a shared vision and a lot of shared ideas for how we see the world but there still are times when we don't share we don't see an eye on everything so trying to navigate that over a zoom call versus having a discussion in a, a meeting in a physical space at a bonfire or um, you know another place it is a challenge but I think it's also an opportunity for us to say hey how do we continue some element of this in the future because we're able to bring people together who might have uh, mobility issues, might have a hard time getting out of their home, having things be available online, they're suddenly just as able to access these kinds of conversations and spaces. Um, and a lot of folks with similar issues um, might have, uh, I, I think it's an opportunity. And I, I, I hope that we don't just decide, okay, let's say everything continues to go well with vaccines and uh, variants, let's say things are safer in six months to a year for a lot of these in-person spaces to open up. I hope that we don't lose some of what we've learned from this difficult time, which is that there are positives to being able to connect virtually with people and um, to create communities virtually. And we can actually be more inclusive and bring more people to the table that otherwise might not have been at that table. Oh, I love that. Okay, so I am interested in hearing your experience over the past several years with your stated goal of queering the burbs. So uh, moved out to Batavia, and how has it been going? I, I, I imagine that there's maybe been some ups and, and some downs for you, but um, just to give us a sense of... Um, of your experience, basically, you know, uh, what, wh what have you noticed? What have you seen? What have you heard? Um, I think that, um, it's, it's, it is difficult. I think that the burbs and specifically Batavia isn't really used to a visible queer presence. And like, I don't know if Batavia is really used to any sort of presence that's not outside of, um, you know, how am I trying to say this? Um, for better or worse, it feels like a lot of things in um, in Batavia and in this this neck of the woods of the region. It, it's very centered toward you know folks who have kids and are straight and are white and um, are you know middle to upper class. And we see this time and time again, like a lot of the language that came out with the Campana building and all the concerns. I mean, I know there were some concerns around, I don't even know. There were concerns around traffic and whatever, but there were also, there's a lot of very problematic stuff that also came out of that, where it was just like, okay, you're, you're saying you don't wanna change Batavia and you don't wanna, um, you don't, you wanna be careful who we let in. It's, it's just very like gatekeepery. And it's like, what are exactly are we trying to say? 
Um, yeah, I remember seeing the 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 phrase uh, "those people" maybe once or twice. Right. Yeah. So I think there is a, a bit of that that comes up where it's just like it just feels like um, there are certain folks here who feel that the way Batavia is now is the way Batavia always should be, and that there isn't a problem of a lack of affordable housing, or that there isn't a problem that this town is so predominantly white. And so it just, it just kind of feels like you're not, like I've, I've had very few experiences where people are outwardly unfriendly to me, but I still feel like people don't really know how to process like a life out here that doesn't fit that mold. You know, I, and I also have friends in the city who are still, we're still very like, well, what are you going to do out there? <laughs> like, um, what is there to do? Who will you see? Like, it just boggles a lot of minds. And occasionally it boggles my own mind. That's fine. Um, <laughs> it's, it's different. But I think that there is so much positive going on in this neck of the woods that I think um, that positivity should be shared with more people. And it should be open to folks who don't fit that mold because that's what the world looks like. <laughs> and if we think about the future of a town like Batavia, we need to have it be open and inclusive and, and a, a safe place for people who are different to live because that's the only way this town will grow in this part of the world. You know, it's not going to be Mayberry forever. Like there'll always be elements of that. That's part of Batavia's quilt, but we got to get, some more of those patches sewn in. Hmm. So having said that, do you have any recommendations? Do you have any thoughts on how we can start to accomplish that uh, moving in that direction? Well, yeah, to answer the, I feel like I didn't really answer the first part of your question before. I think <laughs> um, my progress toward my goal of clearing the birds is, is still in the beginning stages. Um, lots of work to do. But I see glimmers of hope. I see, um, you know, the first interview I did on Queering the Burbs was someone who um, was part of this work I was trying to do of highlighting other people's voices was Annie Hex. Um, she does some really awesome work. She wanted to do um, a queer Halloween event and that got complicated by the pandemic and didn't end up happening. But I was really inspired by her just coming out with it and saying, hey, I'm doing this big gay event and there's going to be drag queens. There's going to be this. And at first I was like, wait, you're doing what? <laughs> like I, I sensed my own kind of pearl clutching. And then I recognized in myself, like, you know, sometimes you, we as marginalized folks have to just go and do it. Um, we have We have to not be as afraid. But also it was great to see that she was getting a lot of support for the event that she was going to put on. And that surprised me, the level of support. I'm like, oh, all these businesses want to work with you. And I'm not seeing like too much craziness in response to it. So, I mean, it was, that was not work of my own to be querying the burbs, but um, hearing from voices like hers, I was like, no, they're, Batavia's ready for a little bit of this. I think, um, I think we can make it happen and maybe we just have to be not quite so nervous about, about moving forward with stuff like that. So I would say in terms of things that I'd love to see happen, it's just more support for efforts like that as they arise. Um, 
and just the recognition uh, and educating yourself on, you know, what the world outside of Batavia looks like. And then ask yourself, well, why is that not happening here? Is there something woven into this town's fabric that is preventing some of those fun, positive things from happening here? And, and how can I go about maybe trying to bring a little bit more of that flavor to our neck of the woods? So, yeah. Excellent. Well, we've got a few more minutes left here. Bree, do you have any, uh, anything else? Well, to, to wrap it up, I feel like on your Queering the Burbs, you usually have your, um, your main piece, and then you always do what to read, what to watch, what you've been reading and watching. I feel like I've, I've found some amazing things from there. Do you, have, do you have any recommendations for what to read, what to watch, what to be looking out for, what to be listening to? Yeah, so um, the most recent book I finished was called Prophet by Robert Jones Jr. And he is, um, if you're on the Twitter, he's a popular tweeter at Son of Baldwin. And uh, this is his first novel. I guess it was in the works for 14 years or something. And it is just a really beautiful exploration of this uh, fictional, to my knowledge, tale of two young black gay men who are both slaves in Mississippi. And um, it's, it's a pretty, as you might guess, devastating read, but also a very powerful one. And it's very just gorgeously written. So um, I'd recommend that book. It's incredibly rich. And um, I'm sure though Reese Witherspoon has probably already bought the film rights. Um, so, you know, read the book before it gets turned into uh, the Hulu miniseries. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot. Um, and in terms of things I'm watching, um, <laughs> Brie, we already talked a little bit about this, but HBO Max just landed the Nanny full series. So uh, I never watched the show much when it was on in the 90s, but I've been re-watching the Nanny and it is a very funny show. And I'm just really enjoying binging that right now. It's just like so wholesome and smart. Um, and just, it's a nice little escape because there's just really nothing happening like that on TV these days. I love it. And we actually got HBO Max to get the nanny. So I'm very excited. I, Joe, I've been watching uh, Full Bloom off of your recommendation, and it is, it's just changing my life. It's making me, <laughs> it's making me bloom this spring. Yes. And it's got a Chicago connection, the uh, owner of Osrey Garden, who Ooh, is yeah. one of my, one of my style icons. Um, <laughs> I just want, I want to dress like her. Um, I do too. I want to be her. <laughs> But it's a great show. If you if you people listening want another reality show that has the heart of the British Bake Off, but like a lot of gorgeous floral design, that's a that's a good show. Joe, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how can people find you? They can find me at queeringtheburbs.substack.com, and I'm also on Twitter at Robo Jojo. That's 
R-O-B-O-J-O-J-O. Beautiful. Thanks, Joe. I just love Joe. He's so great. I'm glad he was your first guest. I am too. And, um, you know, it's a shame that we didn't have much more time with him. I'm, I'm sure we could have, we could have talked all night. Um, but perhaps that's probably a good thing that we, we didn't. We'll save that for our bonfire together and private lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also feel like, you know, we need to do a little bit better of, uh, of coming up and we are, we're coming up with a structure for the show. Yeah. Right. So, um, so we just had, had a wonderful interview and, yeah. uh, so now we're going, we're going straight into the goose, right? The, the real, real goose. goose, the real goose. I'm going to, I'm going to let you let loose with the real goose. Letting loose with the real goose. Go for it. I mean, I think uh, I think what you brought up earlier is great to remind people that uh, that cane vax. There's a possibility that you can get a day of appointment if you keep refreshing. Refresh sounds, sounds like um, an urban legend, but it might it might be true. It happened for <laughs> Jaime. It's happened for Jaime. Could happen for you. It's not an urban legend. It happened. I was there. I saw it. I love it. I will give you, okay, so for for people who uh, don't mind getting a little nerdy with the, with the, um, so I use Firefox. I use Firefox for my internet browser. And I was able to find an extension called Tab Reloader, okay? And I set this thing to reload every minute. And so I just, you know, put it on one of my screens and every minute it would refresh on its own and I would look over, I would check to see if there was anything open and for a long time there wasn't, but then all of a sudden there was. So that was my computer nerd solution for getting a, an appointment on canevax.org. Canevax.org. Yeah. What else? What other? So yeah. Another, another real goose is that, um, and Joe, mentioned Annie Hex in the interview and uh, she is part of a group that's starting a community garden, which I think is real cool. It's happening here in Batavia. Mm. Um, I think that uh, when we start talking about, you know, bringing people together, I think something like that is like a really great tool that again, something that saw in the city all the time, haven't really seen out here. So, okay. I'm excited that's happening. I think that that's some hot off the presses news. We can put okay. some information down about how to get involved in our yeah. shout outs. Yeah, we could do um, show notes, shout outs. That's exciting. What's your favorite thing to, uh, to come out of a, a, a community garden? What do you think? What would be your number one thing that you go for? Tomatoes, 100%. Mm, nothing like those fresh local organic tomatoes i uh a couple of years ago the depot museum had a uh victory garden mm-hmm. exhibit and so and which was a garden and then they had you know little infographics to explain what a victory garden is um and if you don't know a victory garden is a 
garden during wartime and and really what I learned about it was it was something to do to kind of put your energy into and like and yeah like there are some you know rationings and stuff but also when there's being a war fought and you're at home not able to like really do anything and just all of your worrying energy the idea was um that you you put that into into gardening and I think mm. I was so glad to have learned that a couple of years ago I think that's a great energy to bring into us living in this pandemic but um my favorite thing I was a water I had to go one morning a week all summer and and water and there's so many people that would like walk by and uh mostly mostly old people uh love love that about Batavia is like that intergenerational but like women would stop and just talk to me about their gardens and talk to give me like secrets and tell me if I was watering something wrong honestly or like how to how to weed better um wait is that true you had people telling you that you were watering incorrectly well I mean yeah but like not not in like um in in a way that was just like you know you want to get down at the root like I was I needed a little, I needed a little like push. Like I wasn't, um, I wasn't getting down to the root and I wasn't getting probably giving them enough water in like the hot July, like things don't need as much water in, you know, early June as they do in like late July. So hmm. I welcomed, I welcomed the tips. I welcomed the conversation. I loved, you know, hearing about folks like different tomatoes, things like that. I'm, I feel like you handled that situation much better than I would have. I would have just been like, I know what I'm doing. No, no. I would have gave him the, wait, was this a watering can or was it a hose? It was a hose. Okay. I would have gave them the hose and said, you do it. We we bring different energies into room, (laughs) Pivey. And, and this is also why I, I am not a gardener. I, <laughs> I, I feel like I, I bring that you do it energy into other parts of my life. I, but within, within the gardening, I'll, I'll take my pointers. I'll take, I'll take my sweet pointers. Okay, good. See, this is good. This is good. You've got your, your strengths. I have mine. And, uh, and now we know that gardening is one of yours and not mine. I'm, I'm cultivating that skill. This is hopefully my summer of cultivating that in my own life. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I'll give updates. Okay. I'll give updates. Please do. Please do. All right. Anything else? Any other? I don't know when this is coming out. It's probably coming out, out too late, but uh, tomorrow is uh, election day here. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't think it's going to come out in time to remind people to vote. So uh, hopefully by the time you hear this, you will have voted already. Yeah. And maybe, maybe we can get into some of the, um, who won, where, what, uh, next episode for the real ghost. Okay. So I've got homework now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that that's something that, um, coming off of Joe's interview of like, 
we get we get kind of like comfortable and complacent about how things are are running out here and then all of a sudden there's an election and you have new people running things and sometimes you know they're not who you want to be running things sometimes they are in batavia we were quite uncontested so okay i'm hoping i'm hoping we can start paying attention more ourselves and uh maybe maybe help some of our our audience do the same gosh i feel like i've totally dropped the ball because i can't even speak intelligently about one thing that i'm gonna go vote for tomorrow that's that's okay that's okay i'm gonna go i can tell you that the only thing that will be contested on your ballot will be um the seats for uh wabansi community college Mm, and um can can we give people a shout out it doesn't matter who do you want to shout out well i know that that is the only contested that will be on my ballot and your ballot because we live in the same ward yeah and that uh i will be voting for uh giselle gonzalez and sandra gonzalez uh for those two seats Mm. okay good to know thank you you've at least helped me yes Thank you. So Aurora and Geneva and St. Charles have some wild um, shakeups happening. So Ooh, maybe we could get a, a correspondent from one of those towns to, uh, to talk with us. Would be super cool. Do we, we know anybody do that. like that? Do we know anybody? Yep, we do. Okay. We'll talk off the line. All we right. don't want to promise them anything that we can't. No, no, we can't do that. People have busy schedules. Uh, I do have a couple of things I wanted to mention real quick in terms of uh, the real goose for local sports fans, meaning really local. I do believe this week is a start of ticket sales for your Kane County Cougars. Cool. Yes. Um, I drive by that field, Northwest uh, Northwestern medicine field every day on my way to work and then on my way back home. And I do feel like April 8th, which I believe is Thursday, is the first day of ticket sales for the Kane County Cougars. They were shut down pretty much all last year. So uh, I know that they are very excited to get back out onto the field and playing again in front of probably what's going to be a limited seating, but, uh, but still. Those tickets are going on sale this week. Also, right next door, uh, your Chicago Steel hockey team is also back in action, and they are playing uh, currently. So if you need to get uh, some live hockey action, uh, please wear a mask, buy your tickets at uh, for the Chicago Steel hockey team as well. So those are both uh, on off of Kirk Road just north of is that 38 yeah no fabian 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 go check it out if if you if you want to i'm probably still not uh, going out to see any sports just yet but um if you're fully vaccinated and you've got a strong set of masks i say try it out yeah i love it I can't wait to go back to a Cougars game. I'm also not going to be going anytime soon, but. Uh, but isn't it going to be uh, amazing when we do? Yeah, it really is. 
It really is. I wonder if they're still going to have dollar beer night. I'm sure they will. That's really when you want to go. Get those dollar dollar beers. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, and I still I still don't know what time I was born. I'm I'm still. You figure that out. I'm supposed to get that information to you. Yeah. Yeah. We can't do it until then. And um, maybe we'll, you know, we'll keep listeners on the hook because they're so excited to find out your, you know, your birth chart. Well, but it's supposed to be for, for this show, right? It's not, you're not just doing my birth chart or are you? I'm, I'm not. I'm doing the shows, but it, we're going to see where it aligns to both your chart and my chart. Okay. Because that will be part of the reading. Okay. All right, I'm I'm still efforting. I believe you. I believe you. Thank you for your patience. Of course. And thank you to our guest on this episode, Mr. Joe Urbentrout. And thanks to our maestro, the musical director, James Cardis. Yes. Such a great guy. Both of them. Such a great guy. Both of them. <laughs> thanks, Jaime. All right, thanks, Brie. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye.